the lyrics to that song, uh, Family Man, I, uh, I included in, in chapter 20 of my book for husbands. This is a book for husbands. So I need to ask if anybody here tr- had a Mustang when they were growing up and then later on owned a minivan. Oh, there you go, right, right here. There you go. Ready? <laughs> give, give, him, give him a hand. What year was your Mustang? 2000. 2000. You gotta have a 65 Mustang. Come on. Um, in theory, all the other three campuses also had a book to throw at that moment. I hope you guys worked that out out at uh, Bartlett. My friend Matt Guevara out there and DeKalb and Blackberry Creek. So we say hi to you folks too. But I gave them books to throw. I don't know if they worked it out. I hope they did. <clears throat> My name is Jay. Everybody say hi, Jay. And we're talking to dads today. Moms, you are our best resource, so please listen to. Okay, please. We're begging you. We need you. Kids, I'm giving away some dad secrets today. So if you get nudged and they say, close your ears, okay, you'll need to do that. Would you do that for me, kids? Because you don't want to know. You don't want to know dad secrets. Uh, by the way, this is not a wow weekend. This is a kind of who is that guy I sort of recognize weekend. Um, uh, I, I've been here 20 years with my family. Oh, my golly. Uh, I was baptized here. Wasn't that awesome today? Wasn't that awesome? I was baptized here. I mean, I did. I was an Awana director, and I've spoken in Kids World, and I, and I, did, and I wrote some Christmas productions over the years. Um, uh, and in, if you need a church home, it's a good place to be. So come on back. Um, but my other credentials would be that I've, I've been a, like a radio producer for Christian Radio for about 25 years. I produced Josh McDowell Radio for 14 years. Uh, for, with Chuck Colson, I did uh, about a, a decade, decade's worth of Angel Tree Radio specials uh, for, uh, for Voice of the Martyrs. I write and produce Jesus Freaks Radio. And for the National Center for Fathering, I've co-written and produced over 3,000 programs called Today's Father, a daily program. Um, I've written 13 books mostly for dads and families and moms and husbands and wives. Uh, sold 300,000 copies. I've been on Moody Radio a dozen times, and I speak for Iron Sharpens Iron. But, ah, that's nothing. Here are my true credentials. <laughs> um, I've got four sons, all out of college. I've got an awesome daughter, Ray Ann, and I've got four daughter-in-laws. So there you go. Um, uh, the, the lesson here would be, if you're changing diapers and going, oh my golly, when does this end? Or if uh, you're teenagers, you just want to strangle them. Um, you know, it keeps getting better and better. The, the kids get older. Uh, uh, my beautiful bride, Rita, would not let me show her photo on the big screen. But we've been married 35 years this fall. Applause, applause. Even better than kids. Even, what's, what's even better than kids? So the Paylightner name lives on. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just, uh, yeah, we want your plan. We want your plan. We want your plan. And if you can just help us take a little step towards that today, that would be awesome. We love you and trust you uh, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, Psalm 127. I know you guys, again, we're talking to dads here. I know you guys got that memorized. That's the one that is, uh, if the Lord does not build a house, in vain do the builders labor. And then later on it says, uh, 
Children are a burden from the Lord. No. <laughs> Children are a gift from the Lord. And then the next two verses are Psalm 127, uh, 4 and 5. And this is a verse that we're going to talk about today. This is the NLT version. Um, Children born to a young man are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. How joyful is the man, is the man whose quiver is full. What a great image that is. It's an archer. You know, a quiver. Take it, gets out. Yeah. And I was going to bring in some props here, but that'd be too dangerous, so I didn't. So we'll look at six takeaways from, the, from those two verses. And the first one, of course, is be the warrior. Be the dad, be the leader. Flex your muscles. Warriors need to know the enemy. Uh, and Satan has all kinds of weapons. Uh, if I talk to a lot of dads, uh, all, all different places, um, and we talk about what's attacking families. And it's things like drugs and gangs and drunk driving and a dropout rate and teen promiscuity and uh, sexual confusion and domestic violence and spiritual confusion. Uh, when dads are steadfast, going to battle on behalf of your family, that stuff has a real good chance of going away. And I'm not making this up. Statistics back me up on that. Um, without a dad in the home... 85% of the youth in prison grew up without a dad. 75% of the kids in drug rehab uh, uh, grew up without a father in the home. Without a dad in the home, you are two times as likely to drop out of school. You are three times as likely to commit suicide. You are nine times as likely to be homeless or run away. Is this, is this good news or bad news? Is this good news or bad news? Well, now wait a second. Yeah, if dads aren't in the home, it's bad news. And as a church, we have a responsibility to, to minister to orphans and widows. Absolutely. But to you dads here who are committed to your family, who are saying, I'm going to be there for my... That's good news. Because if crud happens when dads aren't there, good things happen when dads are there. That's why Satan wants to keep you at a distance from your family. So be the leader, someone that, you know, your kids can trust. When you're young, that's, <laughs> when you're young, that's real easy. For a season, you are the smartest man in the world. So that's why uh, the first uh, thing you need to do if you want to be the warrior is store up genius points. <laughs> Every summer, uh, my dad, uh, growing up, my dad made sure that my brother and I went to Wrigley to watch at least a couple double-headers. Double and we uh, didn't get the big foam fingers and the pink pennants. We always got a, a sharpened Cubs, Cubs pencil and a scorecard. And we learned to take, take uh, score. And I kept track of the batting order. And some of you guys know this, right? It was Kessinger, Beckert, Williams, uh, Banks, Sano. Who was the catcher? Hundley. There you go. Who was the, the best pitcher that year? Fergie Jenkins, right? You remember that. Some of you guys do. And uh, second inning, tragedy struck. My pencil lead broke. <laughs> I showed it to my dad, and he couldn't buy me a new pencil. No way. Because back then, dads didn't do that kind of thing. 20 seconds later, my dad gave me back that sharpened pencil. Now, some of you guys are smart enough to know what he did. 
He leaned over, and on the concrete floor of Wrigley, he just, on the right angle, he sharpened it, right? My dad was a genius, the smartest man in the world. Now, that was when I was eight or nine. A few years later, he wasn't the smartest man in the world. But he stored up genius points, and dads, you got to do that. When your kids are young, store up those genius points. Be there, pour into their lives. You like that story. Here's a story you might not like. Quit golf. <laughs> I love coaching 9- and 10-year-old kids because you still know more than they do. And uh, I coached all my, my, my boys and my daughter in softball and baseball uh, during that time. And uh, we had one year, we had a little, little guy in the team, wasn't the best kid in the team, pretty good. Uh, but his dad couldn't make any of the games because we, we played during the week and his dad traveled. And that's okay, that happens sometimes for a while, it's hard. <sighs> we had a rain out and we were going to have a game made up on Saturday. Coach Payleitner, Coach Payleitner, my, my dad can come to the game on Saturday. And I'm thinking, awesome. I'm going to you know, let the kids show off a little bit. I'm going to you know, start them at shortstop, bat them second in the lineup. Saturday morning came. The little guy's hanging his head. What, what, what's up, champ? My dad couldn't come. He had to play golf. Now, I, I, I was angry. The, the kid was used to it. The dad didn't know what he was missing. So here's the point. There's nothing evil about golf. But for a season of your life, when your kids need you, make your kids your hobby. Make your kids your hobby. Um, uh, how, how many, how many, any dads out there have a, have a uh, son or daughter who's like three or four or five and really into dinosaurs? Got any like that? Well, you before, uh, you got into dinosaurs here? Okay, well, here we go. I have a, I have a T-Rex. Ah! Who was, you, you raise your hand, look at that. Look at, look at, oh, ah, ah, good catch. There you go. Um, so, if you've got a, a four-year-old into dinosaurs, you be into dinosaurs. If your eight-year-old daughter is into American Girl, <laughs> pull out your wallet, and you be into American Girl. Later, you can eBay those things for big bucks later on. Um, if your 13-year-old son is into skateboarding, ugh. But you be into skateboarding. Take him to the parks, take him to the stores, get him some good, good quality knee pads, whatever, whatever they want. So there you go. Make your kids your hobby for a season. Because a warrior, he stores up genius points. He's, he leads with wisdom. A warrior makes his kids his hobby, puts his family first. That's one. Number two, prepare for battle. Not your battle, their battle. You know, when uh, we can't protect our kids anymore, we have to prepare them to make their own choices, uh, which means that even though we want to be, you can't be the fashion police. You can't be the internet, fil uh, internet filter. <sighs> yeah, when they're younger, for sure, absolutely protect them. Set standards on movie ratings and video game ratings. Uh, do the research before you buy a video game or, or, or let them go to the, to the film. Uh, when your daughter goes shopping, she knows that when she comes home, there will be a fashion show. Install an internet filter. 
But you know what? That's not enough anymore. Uh, well, look at it this way. Two generations ago, the world was a kinder, gentler place. You know what? Kids would play till the streetlights went on. You remember those days. You don't probably. I do. The last generation of parents, they watched their kids, you know, do Pac-Man and Super Mario Brothers. That was kind of innocent. Not a problem there, right? Pretty easy. Not terrifying at all. And they had an excuse because they didn't know. They were just trying to figure that, that technology stuff out themselves. But this generation of parents, you, anybody raised in a, a uh, youngsters today, they probably had friends who were addicted to video games. You guys know the creepy, dark stuff that's out there. You know that every teenager, just about every teenager, has, are, is two clicks away from stuff. That, and they have a little computer in their back pocket. So you can't protect them anymore. The mindset has to be not to protect, but to equip them. Um, Dads need to talk, be proactive about talking about modesty and sexual promiscuity and graphic video and pornography. Make it a conversation. Uh, dads, to your daughters, do not say, don't let me catch you wearing that skimpy tank top. Because you won't. <laughs> they go up to their room, put, put on a, a bulky sweater, and then when they get to school, what happens? Yeah. Um, and Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. Oh, my golly. But I'm going to give you a clue on how to, how to handle that. You know, you can order a subscription to Sports Illustrated and request not to get the Swimsuit Edition. I don't recommend you do that. Let it come into your house. The kids, the kids the, your son, your 13-year-old son knows it's out because it's all over the place. And when he says, well, Dad, uh, Dad, uh, um, uh, did you see this week's Sports Illustrated? You say, ah, son, yeah, I did. And I, you know, I walked it out to the trash can because it was the, it was the swimsuit edition, and I don't need to see that, and you don't need to see that. So uh, that was a decision I made. And if, he, if the young man walks away, that's fine. If, he has, if it starts a conversation, even better, Dad's. So we're preparing our kids for battle. Another critical battle strategy is to know your enemy. That means you want to expose your kids to the dark side. That sounds real scary. <clears throat> My bride, Rita, likes to hold babies, which is a good thing because babies like to be held. And over the years, we, had, uh, uh, we got our foster license and we had 10 foster babies in our house. Some of them were cocaine-exposed which means that they go through those, the shakes, the withdrawal tremors, the DTs. Now, uh, I'm, some of you might know Max. Uh, I've got four sons. Max was a uh, uh, football MVP. Uh, down, he went downstate as a wrestler. He was a catcher for the Saints baseball team that won fourth in state. Go Saints. Um, Max was holding a little, little, little gal, newborn, uh, and started to do the shakes. And he swaddled it, held, held the baby closer, just like mom had showed him. And then afterwards, he gave the baby back to mom, and he went on a little rampage around the house. How could a, how could a mother do this to her, to her baby? 
You think Max did drugs two years later? No, because he was, I mean, he was a good kid anyways. But the idea is exposing your kids to the dark side. That's why we need to, we live in a broken world. And we can't escape that world. We need to let our kids experience that while they're in our care, while they're with us. So that's why we need to love on foster babies and, and visit prisons, maybe with our kids even if that's possible. Uh, volunteer at soup kitchens and provide diapers and baby clothes at pregnancy resource centers and, and, and join a GO team. You know, do a short-term mission trip, uh, maybe with your kids. Rita went to Sierra Leone, my wife, and, and she came back with stories of the occult and witch doctors and things like that. It was important for the kids to hear that. Um, as Christ followers, as Christians, uh, we need to admit our brokenness, admit our own place in this dark world. But we, but we also have chosen to live in the light, to pursue the light. Um, uh, John chapter 3. Man, this is great stuff. Light has come into the world, and explains a lot. Light has come into the world, but people love the darkness. That's their tendency. Instead of the light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. Who wants their, who wants their sins exposed? I don't want my sins exposed. But as Christians, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. We need to equip our kids to do battle with the darkness. We have to equip them with the light of Christ. Uh, two asides on this story is uh, love is a powerful force. You can love cocaine out of a baby. And Max is a great dad. He's the, he's the, the, the dad of my, uh, of my grandson. So what are we doing here? We are being the warrior. We are preparing for battle. And then we are going to sharpen and burnish our arrows. Help your kids be the best they can be. And that's about relationship, dads. Build them up. Don't tear them down. Uh, as, as you prepare your quiver full of arrows, you, you need to decide what matters and what doesn't. And that means that you ignore the stickball dance on the garage door. Uh, every year for about five years, I scraped and painted our garage door because it wasn't holding the paint right. And I finally bought a new garage door. It cost me $1,200. Eight days later, <laughs> I drive up, and my son Isaac and two of his college buddies are playing stickball in my driveway. And my eyes go right to these three gashes on, on my brand-new $1,200 garage door. So did I rage? Did I rage? What do you think? Did I rage? No! On behalf, I'm going to cho choose victory on behalf of all dads. I did not rage. My son Isaac saw me, saw my car stopped, jogged down to his credit and said, Dad, we gashed the garage door. So kids, take that note. You know what? When you mess up, go tell them real quick. That helps. But even better than that, even more importantly than that, um, my mind instantly calculated what was going on. There were no beer cans in the lawn. There were no cop cars in my driveway. 
They were not downstairs in the basement playing some creepy dark video game. They were on my driveway, college boys, playing the time-honored game of stickball. Uh, broom handle, $3. Wiffle ball, $4. Garage door, $1,200. <laughs> stickball in my driveway, priceless. Uh, Harmon Killebrew, the great power hitter for the Twins a few years back, had told this story. Uh, he and his brothers and his father were on the front lawn goofing around. And mom opened the front uh, screen door and said, hey, you guys are tearing up the grass. And uh, Harmon's dad, to his credit, said, sweetheart, we're not raising grass, we're raising boys. Uh, Dad, if you rage, you lose. It's not about the garage door. It's not about the carpeting. It's not about the perfect lawn. It's not about perfect kids with straight A's or perfect teeth. It's about relationships. Another story. Laugh with them, cry with them. Any, uh, any of you guys wrestled back in high school? Any, who, high school wrestlers, come on. Anybody wrestled back in high school? Okay, I'm not going to throw this to you, but I'm going to about to impress you. Get a real tight shot of that, could you? The Oswego High School, Oswego High School, JV Turney, 1973. 132 pounds. I put on six or eight pounds since then. 132 pounds. First place. Applause, applause. <laughs> you guys are too, are too easy. <laughs> um, all right. So, okay. I'm a junior in high school, so that is not real impressive that I won a JV wrestling tournament. All right? I apologize. But, you know what? I did the best I could that day. Eight, eight boys showed up. I beat them all. First place trophy. That's not a bad thing. It was a good day. Now, my folks came to most of my tournaments and most of my, the stuff going on, but they didn't come, come that, uh, back then, and it, that day, and it was, uh, it was in Oswego. And, uh, and uh, no cell phones yet. So I came home, showed the trophy to my dad. Dad, I got first place. What did he say? What did he say? He said, well, maybe next year you can get a varsity trophy. <laughs> um, which was the exact right thing to say in a couple months or later on in the summer or maybe as I'm getting ready for my senior year. Because kids, we, dads, dads want to push our kids to the next level. We want to challenge them to the next level. But in that moment, we laugh with them and we cry with them. If your kids are celebrating, celebrate with them. If they're weeping, weep with them. Dad, uh, Dad I, I didn't make show choir. Ah, who, you didn't want to do that anyways. No. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for you, sweetheart. I'm sorry for you, buddy. I know you wanted, wanted that. Uh, uh, Dad, I got cut from the basketball team. Ah, the coach was a jerk anyways. No. Man, I hurt for you. Join them in that moment. Uh, or the, conversely, hey, Dad, I, I got my cooking merit badge. And Dad says, what? What is that? Why bother with something like that? No, celebrate with them. That's awesome. Uh, 
Dad, I got accepted into this college. A letter comes to your high school junior or senior, I got accepted into this college. Now, it wasn't the college, it wasn't, you wanted them to go to your alma mater. Or you wanted them to go to some Ivy League school. You know what? Somebody said that they wanted your kids. Celebrate with them. That's a good news. So we're sharpening and burnishing our arrows. One more way to, to sharpen your arrows uh, is to compete against them. How many of you have a, a, a three or four-year-old? Three or four-year-old? Moms and dads are three or four-year-olds? All right. Here's what you do. Teach them rock, paper, scissors. Okay, oh, if you have a, like a nine-year-old son or nine-year-old daughter, crush them in driveway basketball. Okay? You just need to make, you know, crush them. Because in about three years, they're going to beat you. And it'll make that victory all the sweeter. Because you want them to get better than you. But if you have a, a three- or four-year-old and teach them rock, scissors, paper, they can actually beat you in that. What a gift that is to them. All right. Now I'm going to give you a secret. You youngsters, cover your ears. Between the ages of three and nine, if you play rock, paper, scissors with a, someone, a youngster between three and nine, their first throw will always be scissors. Go ahead and try it out. Challenge me if, if it doesn't work. But I, I guarantee it. So if they've had a tough day... Challenge them to a game and go ahead and throw paper, and they get to cut you, and they win, and it's a good day for everything. If they've been a little snotty that day, <laughs> go ahead and throw rock. All right, there you go. So now what is next? We, we've, we've, we've got our arrows ready. The next thing we do is, of course, choose the right target. You need to know their spiritual gifts and their strengths and their weaknesses, each kid is different. There's a unicycle hanging in my garage from the ceiling. I know that because I bump my head on it about twice a year. And it has never been ridden. Now, we gave it to Randy when he was uh, about 10. And he gave it a half hour here, 20 minutes there that summer. And I have five kids, and all of them are athletic, and all of them, any of them could have had the mental gyroscope to... Master that one-wheeled beast. But they chose not to, and that's okay. Because as dads, our job, one of our great jobs and tasks, is to open doors for our kids. And if you open doors for your kids, and while they're there in your driveway, goofing around, messing around, trying to figure out what their gifts are, you've given them a great gift. Um, so open doors for your kids. Uh, the worst thing that happens is that, uh, so buy a unicycle for your kids. The worst thing that happens is they go off and join the circus. That'd be kind of fun too, I think. <laughs> so as we choose the right target, we're going to open doors. We're also going to spy on your kids. You need to know stuff about them that they don't know you know. You need to know stuff about them that they don't know you know. Uh, their dreams and their fears and their friends and their enemies and their, uh, their, uh, their adults they trust, the courses of studies that they really enjoy. Uh, you need to know how this, these things to help them through a crisis or to help them choose a career path. Now, they're going to make their own choices, but you can come alongside and help them. And uh, for instance, let's say you're on vacation, you have a day to kill in Ohio. 
Should you go to Cleveland to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame or to Canton for the Football Hall of Fame? Um, you, you, you enjoy going with your son or your daughter to the Bears games or the Slackers Packers games. Um, and so you think, well, I'll take them to the, to the Canton Hall. They'd appreciate that. But no, maybe if you know your kid well enough, if you've been spying on them, you know that they would appreciate going to the, the Cleveland Hall of Fame more. And by the way, there is a, in Vandalia, Ohio, is the Trap Shooting Hall of Fame. And in Columbus is the Accounting Hall of Fame, if that would appeal to you. Okay, so you've chosen the right target. And then what do you do? You hold them close to your heart. And that's all about unconditional love. Uh, in so many interactions, every, you know, every time you interact with your kid, the good stuff and the bad stuff, you have a choice to push them away or pull them toward you. Uh, one of the great tools you have to connect with your kids is prayer. And you guys do that. You pray at bedtime. Tuck your kids in. Do that. Tuck your kids in. You uh, pray at dinner, at, at dinner time. You might even do devotionals once in a while. But here's a great idea you've never thought of. It's brilliant. Knock and pray. Here's what you do. <clears throat> it doesn't matter how old your kid is. It doesn't matter whether the door is open or not. You just go knock and say, hey, um, I need a quiet place to pray. Can I jump in here for just a couple minutes? And your kid says, um, um, uh, I, I guess so. And then you do. You, you kind of even ignore the kid up there. So you sit on the bed, and you kind of don't even, don't even, you're not talking to them, you're talking to God. And you say, dear Heavenly Father, you're an awesome God. Thank you for my family. Uh, then you, talk, you pray for something at work, and maybe pray for your schedule, your, your trip going to uh, Denver for, for, for whatever. Uh, you, then you pray for another family member. Something that a brother and sister is something that was going through something, and then you pray, "Oh, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, for my bride Rita, for my bride Rita, and how awesome she is, and how she leads the family." Uh, don't don't say Rita, say your own wife's name. <laughs> this this side of the this side of the auditorium is not so sharp. I had to tell him that. <laughs> uh, pray for your neighbor's health, and maybe something from your small group, and then pray for the kid in the room. Say. And thank you for, for Emily and how, and how wonderful she is with her, with her friends, something you know about them. And then say amen, kiss her, kiss her, kiss them on the head, and leave. Two minutes. What have you achieved there? You've prayed. You've modeled how to pray. You've, you've expressed to your son or daughter that prayer works. You entered their world. You kind of let them enter your world. You let them know your schedule. You let them know that the world does not revolve around them. Perhaps you've unleashed a legion of angels in that bedroom. And then you set the stage to do it again. And maybe best of all, you've revealed your own dependence on God. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse 10. When I am weak, then I am strong. If your kids can see your brokenness and how you depend on the Lord for your strength... Man, that's golden. So another way to hold them close to your heart is to kind of uh, and reflect, is, is to reflect God's grace. The best way to reflect God's grace is to laugh about spilt milk. 
many times have I told you? Two hands. Why was that glass so close to the edge of the table? Anybody identify with that? What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? The kid already feels bad. Why are you making him feel worse? Now, the consequences may still remain. I mean, he might get, or she might get, a, your eight-year-old might get a half a cup, cup of, gla- of milk for a while. And that's okay. You get the point. Please don't give your eight-year-old son a sippy cup. Because <laughs> here's the point. Dad makes things better. Dad throws napkins at the milk and says, no, no worries. Dad, because you know what? Later the problems get tougher. Spilt milk is nothing. The attitude that your son or daughter has to have is that they know this. They know that you will always have this idea of them. I love you. It'll be okay. We'll get through this together. I love you. It'll be okay. We'll get through this together. We're going to practice that now. Ready? All together now. Ready? I love you. It'll be okay. We'll get through this together. Can you say that to your kids when there's a, when there's a crisis? Because you do. You love them. And you know it will be okay in the long run. And you do want them to get through it together. Okay? Make sense? We're going to test this now. <laughs> Dad, Dad, I, Dad, 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 I wrecked the car. Ready? I love you. It'll be okay. We'll get through this together. Consequences remain. He's got to pay his, his own insurance. Maybe she doesn't have a car for a year. There are consequences still. Uh, Dad, I'm dropping out of school. I love you. It'll be okay. We'll get through. Now, yeah, you, you can work out the details later, but in that moment, you want them to come to you. Dad, I'm in jail. Dad, I'm pregnant. Dad, my girlfriend's pregnant. You want them coming to you because the world will give bad advice. So hold them close to your heart. We've set our feet firm. We've sharpened them. They're ready to go. Hold them close to our heart. What's the last thing we do? Got to let them go. That, that might be the, the, <laughs> the toughest thing to do. Um, our job, though, dads, is to make ourselves obsolete. You want them to move out sometime before their 35th birthday. Your children will only reach their full potential when they know their full potential, when they know their value. When boys look in the mirror, when men look in the mirror and boys look in the mirror, they go, oh, not too bad, not too bad, you know. When women look in the mirror, starting about age seven, when girls look in the mirror, they don't like what they see. And that's a shame because I'm looking at a lot of beautiful girls, beautiful women right here. That's a shame. But here's the point. Both boys and girls, your sons and daughters, need to know their true value. When they look in the mirror, they need to see reflected back someone who gave their life for them. Your sons and daughters need to see Jesus. Your son needs to see the servant leader, the servant King Jesus. And your daughter needs to see reflected back the resurrected, beautiful Jesus. 
and dads are in a marvelous place. You are the best person, dad, to lead your kids to Christ so they know their value. Here's the point. Jesus traded his life for theirs. Theologians call it the great exchange. So you need to help them experience the great exchange. And the earlier the better. Let's pray. And dear Heavenly Father, uh, what a gift families are. The building block of society. We thank you for, uh, for the men in this uh, congregation right here. And we ask you to help us be the best dads we can be. Help us celebrate, Father, today and maybe every day. Uh, we are broken before you, Lord. Just fill us up so that we can fulfill your plan for our family and for the world. We love and trust you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.